Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Timothy. Today is episode 698, and we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Let's read the passage. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He saved us and called us with holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is Paul's letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy that we have, being sent from Paul, where Paul is in Rome in prison, and Timothy is still in Ephesus. Paul left Timothy in Ephesus shortly after his release from his first house arrest imprisonment in Rome, and it seems that Timothy is still there three or four years later. And Timothy's still dealing with some of the same problems, which shows how ingrained those problems are. Paul's writing this letter to encourage Timothy, and also because while he desires to see Timothy, he recognizes that he may not see Timothy, and this would be his last communication with Timothy. So Paul has just talked about his confidence in Timothy's faith, and this follows on to that. He says in verse 6, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you. So, therefore, I mean, because of Timothy's faith, because of Paul's confidence in Timothy's faith. So, I'm confident in your faith, therefore, I want you to do this. And what he wants him to do is to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. All right, so what do we make of this? Well, rekindle, that's like a fire that's burning out and you put some small dry pieces of wood on it to quickly catch on fire to get the fire stoked again. Now, is that to say that Timothy's fire has gone out? No, not so much. Just the verb tenses and such say Paul's basically reminding him, okay, remember, this is what you got to do. You got to periodically rekindle that gift. The fire can go out, so make sure you're constantly feeding the fire. Now, the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands what does that mean? Well, it could mean a variety of things, just the words. It could be a, a spiritual gift that Timothy received because Paul laid his hands on him. Though The act of Paul laying his hands on him bestowed this spiritual gift upon Timothy. That's kind of what it sounds like just in the straight reading of it. It doesn't match, though, the rest of the New Testament. Some say the, the gift is the Holy Spirit. That the way he's talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit is that gift is the Holy Spirit. By rekindling that gift, he's saying, make sure you don't lose touch with the Holy Spirit. Stay tight with the Holy Spirit. Stay open to the Holy Spirit. But again, it sounds like that gift of the Holy Spirit came about by Paul laying his hands on him. Or it could just be the language is a little awkward, but what Paul intends is that the gift is basically the spiritual giftedness or the equipping by God to do 
what Paul assigned him to do through the laying on of his hands. So laying on of hands often was a symbol of assignment, of setting apart for a task. And so Paul talked in 1 Timothy about the council of elders that laid hands on Timothy. So is that what he's basically referring to here, that when I set you apart for this task, the task of being in Ephesus for an extended period of time and providing leadership for these churches, appointing leaders within the church, dealing with false teachers, doing all this stuff, I laid my hands on you, and it could be separate from or in conjunction with the elders laying hands on him to assign him to this task, and God has equipped him for that task to do what he's been assigned to do through his spiritual giftedness. I think that's what it's referring to, but you can make different arguments there. I think the language is just a little awkward for us. Verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So you need to get in touch with that equipping from the Holy Spirit because it's easy to fall into fear. We'll see that kind of pop up in verse 8 where he says, So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord of me, his prisoner. So we don't have a spirit of fear. That didn't come from God. What did come from God is the spirit of power, love, and sound judgment. Now, this is what comes about through the equipping of the Holy Spirit. Love is one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We're able to exercise sound judgment because of the equipping of the Holy Spirit. Please specifically contrast that with fear. I think his concern is the situation that Timothy's in right now. Some say this implies that Timothy has been somewhat too timid to speak up on Paul's behalf or speak out for the gospel. I don't know that's specifically what he's saying here, but I think he's saying there's a danger of that. Because remember, it's different with Paul's imprisonment this time. The first imprisonment, when uh, Paul was put in this two-year house arrest at the end of the book of Acts, that was dealing with some dispute that came out of the temple of Jerusalem. The governor didn't know what to do with him. And Paul appealed to Caesar, so he was sent to Rome to deal with this Jewish problem. This is differently now. Now, this is post-fire of Rome. Nero is persecuting officially Christians and treating them like criminals. And so Paul now is not under house arrest. He's in a prison being treated like a criminal and will be executed. So it's a different kind of thing now. So Timothy's got to deal with people saying, hey, your buddy Paul is a criminal. And so that could be a problem for Timothy that he's now got to deal with Paul being considered a criminal by people in society. That along with people attacking the gospel message itself. So that's a danger. And I think Paul's just pointing that out. Be careful you don't fall into that fear. So verse 8, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord of me or of me, his prisoner. I don't see an indication that Timothy is ashamed, but there certainly is that danger because of this new reality. So instead, 
share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Rather than being concerned that people may treat you badly because of Paul's reputation or treat you badly because they don't like the gospel, well, Paul's suffering for that. And he can because the Holy Spirit has equipped him. And the Holy Spirit has also equipped Timothy. He too can suffer if necessary for the gospel. Verses 9 through 10 are essentially the gospel. It's a story of salvation. So he's kind of recounting what the gospel is all about. So relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So this is a summary of salvation. God has saved us. God has provided salvation through Christ Jesus. And he's called us with a holy calling. So he has actually called us, called us to come know him through salvation, but also called us to serve him, called us to represent him, called us to speak about him. And this calling to know God is not according to our works, not according to anything we did, but according to his own purpose and grace, based on what God has done and what God is doing and what God intends to do. And all this was set out before time began. And then verse 10 has been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Christ came, lived, he died, was buried, and resurrected. And all that has made all this obvious. He's abolished death and brought life and immortality light through the gospel. So what's this mean to us? We are not Timothy. Well, but we can be in a similar situation, particularly as society shifts. And it used to be being a Christian was very respectable. In fact, to be part of a polite society, you needed to be seen as a, a church-going Christian. Well, that's all changed. And now many people think you're weird if you're part of a church body. Think you're odd if you say you believe the Bible, you believe in Jesus Christ. But we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be ashamed because we, just as Timothy was equipped, we are equipped to do what God has called us to do. And what's he called us to do? Well, we all have individual things we're called to do, but by and large, we're all called to gather with the body of Christ, to speak publicly about Christ, and allow others to see Christ at work in our daily lives. That's what we're called to do, and that's what the Holy Spirit equips us to do. And we're all called to not be ashamed. Very easy to step back and not speak up and allow people just to not know anything about us. And sometimes it's a little scary to be seen as a believer. The admonition here to Timothy, I think, applies to us also. Hey, if people are going to treat us badly, well, they're going to treat us badly. The Holy Spirit has equipped us to deal with it. And so we're not in Timothy's shoes, but we're in our own context and have some similarities to what Timothy was going through. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time. Continue working through 2 Timothy.